Well, good morning, guys. We, uh, this is a big game today, huh? <laughs> Go pass. Uh, I figured I'd see more people dressed up, though. I'm actually a little surprised to not see you all in your Pats gear. Right here in the front row, though, that's looking good. I like it. I like it. Uh, we're continuing in a sermon series, and it's entitled, What Would Jesus Undo? And it's a spinoff of this whole 90s bracelet craze that uh, if you were a born-again Christian or you knew a born-again Christian, you were privy to these, these bracelets that people would wear and they would say WWJD on them. And it was essentially this, this if it, you know, you're in traffic or some, some crazy person was doing something that you know, was angering you, you'd look down and you'd be like, what would Jesus do? And then you'd make a decision based upon that. Here, I like the question, but it's hard because the question is so subjective to that person's version of Jesus, right? Because most of us think that Jesus thinks a whole lot like we do. So like if Jesus had my mother-in-law, if Jesus had my crazy boss, if Jesus had my brother or my sister, given my extreme circumstances, Jesus would probably do something a little bit different than maybe even what he says in his word. So uh, there you go. What would Jesus do? He'd probably do what I want to do. And that's, uh, it's very subjective. So I was like, wouldn't this be cool? Let's ask this different question, WWJU, which is what would Jesus undo? And uh, we'll make some bracelets and pass them out. We did that last week. And I don't even, do we have any more bracelets back there? Eight bracelets. It's going to be a run on bracelets after service. Anyway, um, but we've been asking this question, what would Jesus undo? Like, what, what grieves the heart of God? What grieves the heart of Jesus? And, and, and what I've found is that Jesus was actually very clear about the things that he would undo in the hearts of his followers. He was actually very clear and straightforward in communicating the things that really, really made him angry. Because what I've found in my own life is that Jesus seems to be much more preoccupied with undoing me (laughs) than getting me to just do things. Because I want to just do things, like keep myself busy, be like, hey, you're welcome, I came to church, you know, I'm serving too, you know, I'm doing all, you're welcome, like I want to just keep doing things, and Jesus wants to actually just undo things in me. Like he wants to undo lies that I believe about him, lies that I believe about myself, Um, He wants to undo wrong thinking, wrong actions, wrong behavior, all of those things. And uh, week one, we talked about that Jesus would undo spiritual meh, meh, M-E-H, meh. It's it's actually a word in in the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, and it means indifference or apathy. So it's like, hey, how you doing? Meh. How's your relationship with Jesus? Meh. You doing well? Meh. How was skydiving? right? We, it, we just kind of have this. And, and so we talked about the church in Laodicea in the book of Revelation, how Jesus was like, look, look, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. You're just meh. And I, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth because of it. And so we talk about that. We talked about that Jesus would undo spiritual meh in our life. The second week, last week, we talked about that he would undo spiritual pride. And uh, I'll tell you, when I came up with this whole idea for this sermon series, I was like, whoa, this is going to be so much fun. We won't ask this question like WJD. It'll be like WWJU. And we'll make bracelets. We'll give them to everybody. It's going to be awesome. Like, this is going to be so much. This is going to be so cool. It's going to be. And then I started studying. And then I started reading. And then I started praying. And then I started preparing. And I was like, 
I do not like this sermon series anymore. Like, you think, like, oh, Pastor Justin, didn't you know? Or don't you plan out, like, like eight weeks in advance? No. Because if I did, I would not have chose this sermon series, okay? Because every single week, it has been like birthing a child. And I know you're like, you have no idea. No, it has been, okay? <laughs> like, I got to stop. And, I got to repent. I got to figure this thing out. Because every single week it has just been like, I, I finally understand what you, what you all say when you're like, Pastor Justin, I felt like when you were preaching, you were preaching right to me. Because I feel like when I've been preaching, I've been preaching right to me. Like it's literally, it's coming out and just hitting me right back in the face. And so uh, this, this, this week is, is no different. Um, we're, we've, been, we've been asking this question, what would Jesus undo? And so this week we're talking about that Jesus would undo hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Um, I don't choose these things, okay? I just want you to know. These just come out of the Bible. Um, hypocrisy. I've been stepping on my toes for the past three weeks. Um, I think hypocrisy is one thing that most people cannot stand about other people, right? It's like, I cannot stand a hypocrite. Um, and most of us know hypocrites, don't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We all know one. As soon as I say the word hypocrite, all of a sudden, like, you just get that person in your head, and you're like, yep. Oh, yeah. They say one thing, they do something else, they talk the talk, and then they never follow through, and they act like this, but they aren't actually like that behind closed doors, and they say all these things in front of the stage, and they act like this, and then behind closed doors, they're kicking the cat, and they're doing it like, right? Doing all these things, right? We all know hypocrites. It's not hard to find them. Why? Because they're very easy to see in other people. It's very difficult to see in ourselves. That's the difficulty. Because what I know is that when I'm like, hey, we all know hypocrites, right? And you're all like, oh, amen, preach it. You know, like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. None of us were like, yep, that's me. I'm a two-faced lion, son of a gun. That's me. Yeah, I'm that hypocrite. I know one, and it's me, Pastor Justin. None of us thought that. All of us were like, yep, I'm sitting right next to her, right? <laughs> that's an awkward laugh. Okay. Because we can see it in other people, but we very rarely see it in, in ourselves. It's very difficult. And so when we say, like, hey, you know, do we know a hypocrite? Yeah, yeah, but it's never us. It's the person next to us. It's never me. It's you, right? It's always somebody else. Because hypocrisy is very difficult to see in ourselves. In fact, I would say that Many of us, even as Christians, you know, we believe that, you know, okay, there's this right and there's wrong, there's, there's, there's black and then there's right. But if we're really truly honest with ourselves, there are some wrongs that aren't really wrong because they're done by nice people like ourselves. <laughs> I mean, if she told me she was going to do this and then didn't follow through or acted like this, but she was actually like this, well, she's a downright two-faced lion hypocrite. But me, I mean, like, God knows my heart. And I mean, like, I mean, for me, like, Jesus, like, come on. Like, I know I, I make mistakes. I don't follow through. But, like, that's, that's, you know my heart. You know that's not, that's not necessarily where I'm at. Um, and so wrongs aren't really that wrong if they're done by nice people like you and me. Right? It's just, it's just other people. Because God knows our hearts and he knows that we mean well. And yet, if we're really honest... 
really gut level honest, um, one place that hypocrisy seems to grow really well is in church. Really, really well. Um, Hypocrisy is at the root of of many church splits. Um, It's at the root of of divorces and and scandals and even criminal activity. And that's just inside the church. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, It's a reason that that some people give for why they don't attend church anymore. It's a reason why even maybe some of you in here that were brought in by a friend and you're like, I don't really even want to be here right now. Um, it's a reason why you don't support organized religion. Why? Because it's full of hypocrites. You think, well, they just want my money and they say that, the, the, that this is what is important to them, but then they don't do it. They act like this, but then I know what, they are, what they're like behind closed doors. And so maybe for some of us in our own youth and growing up, we had, we had people who said one thing and then did something else. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it's a spouse, a pastor, a Christian friend, somebody who, who, who said one thing and then did something else. It is one of the top things that non-Christians will say about Christians. They're a bunch of hypocrites. But what I find as I'm reading through the word and as I'm looking at the stories of Jesus, the opposite was true with Jesus. In fact, Jesus would hang out with prostitutes and with tax collectors and with uh, sinners and with Democrats, and, and with Republicans. <laughs> See what I did there? You're all like, yeah, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity offender, okay? So <laughs> Jesus would hang out with all of this riffraff, including you, right? And here's what I noticed, is that everyone loved Jesus. The people who didn't like Jesus were the hypocrites. The Pharisees, all the people who were like actually like just straight up sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, all that, they loved Jesus. They were drawn to Jesus. They want to be around Jesus. Jesus would go up and be like, hey, I'm coming to your your house for lunch today. And they're like, oh, he was like that guy, you know? They're like, oh, okay, we're going to lunch, I guess. Okay, like he would just invite himself over. He'd be hanging out with these people. He was friends with these people. It's completely opposite as we look through the Bible about Jesus and this thing that keeps rolling around in the inside of me is this reality. I think that, that people aren't mad at Christians because they're too much like Jesus. I think they're mad because they aren't like him enough. Amen. Thank you. I think that's what really gets on the inside of folk. that They're like, I like your Jesus. I just don't see how... This isn't matching up as we look at the life of Christ. So as we've been discussing this topic, uh, what would Jesus undo? Uh, If there's one thing that truly angered Jesus, I mean, really got his goat was hypocrisy. I mean, if Jesus could swear, and I don't know if he could, But if he could swear, that's a really good theological question. If he could swear, um, he would have used one of those swear words if God was like, it's okay, you can use it, it's really bad, do it. Like, 
if he could swear, he would have used one of those swear words on hypocrites. Because he reserves some of his sharpest language for people that are hypocrites. We find it here. Uh, I just wrote down a few things that I was studying. This is what he calls Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, he calls them blind. He calls them blind leading the blind. He calls them fools. He calls them whitewashed tombs. He calls them snakes. He calls them frauds. He calls them unmarked graves. And then he calls them sons of hell. Sons of, I mean, like he didn't mince words at all when it came to hypocrisy. Like y'all are sons of hell. Every time, I, I, every time you read Jesus talking to the Pharisees, I'm always thinking like, I don't think he read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Like, because if he read that book, I think he'd be a little bit different. Like, I, I, he just, he's kind of just like out there. He's just like throwing this vitriol at these people. Like, he just doesn't even care. Why? Because Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy. Zero you think Jesus is all patient, meek, and mild, I'm just telling you, look through. I've given you a whole bunch of scriptures there in your notes. If you're on NLC.today or you've got it, you're sitting on it, whatever it looks like, I'll give you a whole bunch of notes. If you don't believe me that Jesus was passionate about this, I'm just telling you, go look at it. You'll see it for yourself. Those are all these instances. I don't even have time to go through all of them. Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy. And time and time again, he just, it's startling how serious he is about this. These are the things, like when we ask the question, what would Jesus undo? He would undo hypocrisy. The crazy thing is, is that Jesus gets more angry at hypocrites than he does at adulterers, prostitutes, sinners, and thieves. (laughs) Hands down, the guy's like like loving and and caring and grace-filled to people that are outright sinners, and yet these people that are faking it, my goodness, Watch out. He's about to start flipping tables. It's what really angered him. I'm just telling you, this is this really, this really ticked him off. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, in the message paraphrase, this is what this is the words of Jesus. He says, Jesus, overhearing, shot back. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? <clears throat> he says, I'm here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. In other words, he has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but your second point is this. He has unlimited grace for an honest sinner. Zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but unlimited grace for an honest sinner. I've often wondered, as as I've been studying even just this past week, like why Jesus came down so hard on, on these Pharisees, these people who were trying really hard to do the right thing. They were trying really hard to at least appear to do the right thing. Like you read through it and you're like, man, I mean, like he is just like relentless with these guys. Well, all the time he'd go and he'd hang out and have lunch with these prostitutes and tax collectors and known sinners, just hanging out with them. And the Lord started revealing something to me. And it was this. Jesus cannot heal who you pretend to be. If there's anything that you can take home today, I'd love for you to take home that one point. 
Jesus cannot heal who you pretend to be. It's the pretending that Jesus cannot do anything with. It's, it's the faking. He says it in Mark chapter 2. He says, I've come for the sin sick. In other words, I've come for people that know they're sick and know they need a doctor. I have not come, and I can't do anything for somebody who is terminally ill and is like, I got it, I got it, I got it. Everything's good. Yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine. Really? You have a terminal illness. Nope, 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 nope. good. He's like, I've come for the sin sick, not for those who don't need a doctor. <laughs> it's essentially saying this. I would rather you be an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. Wave yet, hanky. I'd rather you be. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hanky. An honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. And I could, I could read the entirety of Matthew chapter 23. So if you're like, well, I, I see all these scriptures you put in there in the notes and Pastor Justin, but like, I'm just telling you, if you want to just read the entirety of Matthew chapter 23, Jesus has pretty much been like, okay, and here's my chapter dedicated to hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 23, there's seven woes. What I mean by that is not like woe. I mean like woe to you. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, hypocrites. And then he goes through and he describes in seven different ways what hypocrisy looks like and, and what, it, what, what form it takes on and how it grows in the heart of people. And I don't want to read the entire scripture to you. I just want to just read in Matthew chapter 23, just a few of the verses starting in verse 25. And I'd love if you'd stand with me to honor the reading of God's word. Matthew 23. <clears throat> and we're going to read 25 through 28. It's right kind of smack dab in the middle of, of, uh, of Jesus' kind of woes to Pharisees. He says this, woe to you. I don't really know what that means, but I know it's not good. Like if Jesus looks at you and says, woe to you, it's not a good day. It's, 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 just say you don't want him to say that, okay? He says, woe to you, and there's seven of these, woe to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Verse 27, he says again, woe to you, again, that's not a good day, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And we could keep going. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you speak to our hearts. God, I, I know that, that when you speak to us, you don't just want to leave us there. You don't bring up our junk and things that you want to change just so that we can feel shame and condemnation and then leave us in our own filth. But God, you show it to us to bring freedom where there was hiddenness. And so, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every single one of us in the area that we need to be spoken to. 
Lord, I thank you that your word is powerful enough not just to dig up dirt in people's lives, but to mine the gold out of them. And so, Lord, we trust you. We ask that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So uh, <clears throat> I decided to look up the word hypocrite in, uh, in, in the Bible, like the, the definition of the Greek word that's used there. And, uh, and the, the word that's used is hypocrites, which means this, an actor, a stage player, a pretender, or one who wears a mask. And it was that last part that struck me this week. One who wears a mask. And so when Jesus says, woe to you, Pharisees, woe to you, hypocrites, he's actually saying, you're bad actors. You're pretenders. You're a bunch of posers. You were wearing a mask. He's like, I would rather you stop trying to be someone that you're not. I'd rather you take off the mask because I cannot heal who you pretend to be. I can only heal who you truly are. And as long as you hold up this mask, as long as you kind of pretend and pose and act and seem and build up and clean the outside, I'm just telling you, I can't do anything with that. I can't do anything with that. I can't bless you. I can't bless the person that, that, that you're pretending to be. I, I can't fix. I can't heal. I can't bring freedom to who you pretend to be. I can only do that to who you truly are. Acting. And this is a little tough for us because, um, I don't know, I think many times we don't even realize that, uh, that we're wearing a mask. So I got this little mask for you. Uh, <clears throat> it's gold, so you'd be impressed. Um, because when I wear a mask, let me just, when I wear a mask, from my vantage point, catch this, I, I, can't, I can't see that I'm wearing a mask. I mean, to you, you're like, dude, you were totally wearing a mask right now. It is so obvious you're such a hypocrite. And I'm like, all I can see is what I see out, out, of, my, out of these eye holes I don't see what you see. I see what I see. And the hard part of wearing a mask is that it's obvious for us to see a mask that everyone else is wearing, and it's very difficult to see the mask that we're wearing. Hmm. And we start to wear them really early on in life. Like, like as a kid, maybe your parents you know, you, you're maybe an emotional kid, whatever, and your parents say, like, stop crying. You've been there, right? Just shut up, right? Just stop crying. And you cover it up. You just kind of stuff it. Why? Because it's not acceptable for you to cry in your family. Nobody knows what to do with you, and so you stuff it, you hide it, you, 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 you hide those tears. Why? Because nobody knows and nobody wants to deal with your drama. So you hide it. You wear the mask. Or you may have somebody, like, as a parent, be like, no, 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 you cannot make mistakes. There are, do not make mistakes. And so you hide it for shame. I can't make mistakes. I can't, so I've got to protect myself from the shame. I can't show it. One of my favorites growing up, uh, I, I've probably said this to my kids 
and you hear all the time on the playground, parents will look at their kid after they've like smashed the other kid in the head and they'll, they'll go like this. You say that you're sorry. You know what I'm talking about? And there's a kid that wears a mask. I am so sorry. I am, no, I am really, really, really sorry. And parents are like, uh, I mean, I guess he said it, so we're all good, right? But it's just a mask. He didn't really mean it. If you really meant it, you wouldn't have done it, right? But we wear the mask. Why? Because we're supposed to. And what we find from a very early age is that masks help us get through really tough situations and really tough circumstances. And for some of us, maybe we've been abused as a kid. Maybe we've been abused as an adult. And what we've found is that a mask is actually really helpful. It helps us get through things. It helps us hide things. It helps us protect things. Why? Because when we've been out there and we haven't been, we've been uncovered and, and nobody's taking care of us, what? The mask has helped. Why? Because people can't see behind it. The real pain, the real rejection, all the stuff that's going on on the inside, and the mask is actually a whole lot more safe than the alternative. And so uh, I was going through like thinking about some different masks that we wear there's probably like hundreds, so I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list, but I was just thinking, um, even like in church, some of the things that, that, that we'll wear. One of them is, uh, is, our ha- is a happy mask. You know, I know this is kind of a frowny face. Uh, that's what Amazon gets you. You know, so, um, but we're, we're the happy mask, and this looks like this. Hey, how's everything going? Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team, right? You know, like, everything is awesome. How are things really going? Blessed. How are you? My marriage is falling apart. But on Instagram, it looks amazing. This is the kind of social media mask that we wear, where like, I want you to see this. This, see this, it's nice and shiny. This is what I want you to see. So I'm kind of like trying to create this kind of like false reality that this is who I am and this is not who I am, but this is what I want you to see. Each selfie perfectly filtered with 15 filters. Hashtag just woke up, right? Nobody wakes up like that, sister. Nobody. <laughs> so we wear the happy face. Everything's all good. Everything's great. Oh my gosh, I am so blessed. I fought all the way to all, all the way to church. But how are you doing? Just blessed. Thank you, brother. Right? So we wear the happy mask. The other one that we wear is the I don't need anyone mask. I don't need you. And I don't need anyone in my life. I'm actually better by myself. In fact, all those uh, life group signups in the back there, it's for a bunch of weak people who need like community and stuff. But actually, I'm so much better by myself. Have you noticed? I'm amazing by myself. I have a small group of one and it goes amazing. Nobody leaves. (laughs) Nobody gets offended. It's awesome, right? And it's amazing how when you wear this mask, you can turn everything around on somebody else. It's not my fault, it's their fault. I don't need you. Would you just back off? And then people do, because they're afraid of getting too close. 
and it seems safer. Seems a lot safer. The, uh, the third one is this, the victim mask. This one's tough. Um, this mask comes in handy because nobody blames a victim. And so uh, you can get more attention by staying with this mask. Um, <laughs> in, in, in essence, it's, it's, it's never, it's not my fault. I'm this way because my mom put my diapers on too tight. <laughs> I, get to be, I get to be horrible to people because my dad never played catch with me. This is why I'm this way. And it's okay because I have a reason. Because I'm a victim. It's never my responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. And I, I'll tell you, these there's... There's hundreds more, right? I'm just, I'm just pick some randomly. Yeah, right? These are, the, these are the type of masks that we wear. And they're there, some of them for good reason. I think that Jesus understands some of them, honestly, because they've protected us through our life. But they're still a mask. So, so it's, it's not like, oh yeah, it's okay to wear this one because this one is, is to keep you safe and all that. It's still a mask. But there's one mask that Jesus, I mean, hates. I mean, really, really really hates, and it's, I, I just call it the religious mask. It's a religious mask. So what does this one look like? Well, <clears throat> the longer you're in a church, this is tough because I'm a pastor, so the longer you're in a church, the more you realize that there is a code of conduct in a church. It's sometimes not spelled out. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like, you know, you need to take that makeup off and you need to do this, you need to stop doing it. Like all the, sometimes it's very, there's always a code of conduct in a church and these are the things that are acceptable and these are the things that are not acceptable um, and, uh, and you, you just kind of get it figured out and it's different for every church. But there's always, there always comes a time in our Christian walk, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is where this mask comes into play. Um, because you'll, you'll come up upon a struggle or a temptation or a sin in your life and we don't know what to do about it. Like I'm struggling right now and I don't know who to tell. Like, I, I, I am I'm legit, like, I came here this morning, but I'm telling you, like, last night, this morning, like, I'm, I'm steeped in this sin, and I don't know what to do about it, and I don't know who to talk to about this. Why? And so what do we do? We put on the, we put on the religious mask. We put it on. Much like how Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to make a mask. Much like how um, we've seen Christian leaders fall into secret sin by wearing a mask. Much like how Christians <laughs> trade in sins for others that are easier to hide. So we'll wear a mask to kind of keep us safe and we don't know what to do. Because the thought process is the same. This is how it works. Um, I've been a Christian for some time now and uh, I can't be struggling with this. Like, I, 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 I really, like, I can't, I can't admit this to anybody. 
Like I'm, I'm here, I'm, in, I'm at church, and I'm just, there's something that, I have some serious issues that are going on in my life, but I don't know, and I can't admit this, and I can't talk to anyone, and now I'm in leadership. Like I'm actually leading a life group, and people look to me for guidance. In fact, I've actually counseled people about this issue and this struggle, and I'm actually struggling with this. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it, because what are people going to think if they know that I'm struggling with this? But I'm struggling with it right now. And I don't know who to talk to. And I've got these serious like doubts and, and, and this, this serious issues. And I have to just, I just keep this mask on. Because I can't admit. Can't admit what's really going on. And we wonder, we wonder, we wonder how and why we see Christian leaders with secret sin and serious issues fall into doubt, into falling, into fading, or worse, faking, going through the motions, just keeping the, keeping the mask on, keeping like everything's good. And, and you may be thinking, well, like Pastor Justin, I, I can't admit that I have some doubts or that I have serious issues because people, people will think I'm a hypocrite. but you are a hypocrite. That's the definition. I can't tell anyone. I, I gotta hide this thing. I gotta keep the mask up. I keep the act up. Keep the facade. Keep the faking. Keep the pretending. Keep, the, keep all, this thing, all these things going. You don't wanna be a hypocrite. You wanna remove the mask. Let me tell you how you do it. You become an honest sinner. Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy and unlimited. you know how much? What's the limit of unlimited? Unlimited. Unlimited grace for honest sinners. <laughs> because we can start to wear a mask so long <laughs> that we start to believe our own lie. You just... This is kind of just who I am. I just, I just, I just continually wear this mask, and uh, I think this is like who I am. Because a true hypocrite, a true hypocrite, is a person who can no longer see that they're wearing a mask, and they wear it with sincerity. This is the Pharisee. I don't think the Pharisees, I, I read these guys, like, I mean, we get all about them, like, I can't even believe it, you know, Jesus tried to set them straight, and they wouldn't listen, and these Pharisees, and they're all this. I'm just telling you, I don't think they were trying to be evil. I think they were wearing a religious mask, and they didn't even know they were wearing it. They were wearing it with sincerity. This is who I am. What's wrong with this? And this is what Jesus would rail against, and he compares them to a cup. He says, you clean the outside of the cup so it looks all shiny, but you failed to clean the inside. And I don't know about you, but like I would rather drink out of a cup that's a little dinged up on the outside, but the, but the inside is clean. Like I'll pour some water in there, I'll drink out of that. But you hand me a cup that looks all like, oh, and it's got like all like boogery stuff on the inside. And be like, here you go. I'm like, that's disgusting. That's what, he's, that's what he's trying to communicate to us. He's like, look, guys, you've got it all cleaned up on the outside, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't even drink out of this. This is nasty. He says, he says blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will also be clean. 
Because if the inside is clean, then the outside actually means something. It's not just a mask or a facade. It's clean from the inside out. And then he calls them whitewashed tombs in verse 27. He goes, you're all like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In other words, y'all, you're wearing masks. You look great on the outside. I mean, it's all gold. Doesn't this look nice? Like, you look great. But what resembles on the outside is not what's resembled on the inside. You're pretending. And there's nothing I can do with who you pretend to be. I have unlimited grace for honest sinners. But you've got to remove the mask and allow me to be able to minister and to bring freedom where there once was hiding. I want to leave you guys with, with, uh, with three points to kind of finish this out. We find it in the scripture um, about how to remove the mask. One thing I know about the Lord is that he never just points out things. And so maybe even today, as, we're, as I've been talking and preaching and, and going through this scripture, God's been just pointing at something on the inside of your heart. Maybe you've seen it before. You've had glimpses of, of, of it before, but you know it's still there. You know it's something that, that he's wanting to deal with. I just want you to know that, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he never points something out at you just so that he can t- condemn you and shame you and leave you where you're at and say, good luck with that, you messed up human. He actually shows it to you. Why? So that he can shine light in that area to bring freedom where there's been a disguise and hiddenness because he can only bring freedom and healing to who you truly are, not who you pretend to be. So how do you remove the mask? Number one, in your notes, it says this. Realize that hypocrisy grows best in the dark. Hypocrisy grows best in the dark. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. As I look through scriptures, I read about Jesus and the Jesus that I've come to know over these years is that he is actually loving and grace-filled and truthful to someone who has sinned. We look all throughout scripture, when he comes upon, upon sinner, no matter what their sin is, he is so loving and truthful and grace-filled when he comes upon somebody who's just like, hey, I'm screwed up and I need a doctor. Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, but I know that I've been trying to hide it and mask it and, and shine it up on the outside so it looks good. I'm just telling you, like, it's not actually getting better. It's actually growing in the dark. Because all sinners find mercy when they find Jesus. All. But when we hide and we mask our sins, it begins to distort how we view God. Why? Because I'm so concerned with this thing slipping. Why? Because I, I'm, I'm convinced that if this thing was to come off, if people were to see this, if God were to see this, oh my gosh, he would smite me. I'd be, I'd be a grease spot in the carpet. So the only thing I can do is i got to make sure that this thing is cemented onto my face so that nobody will ever see this. Why? Because there's only safety in this. And if this thing is not here, it's the only thing that protects me. 
But see, what God cannot stand is someone who sins and acts like they don't. That's what gets him. It's not the sinning. It's the pretending. That's what angers him. And I think it angers him because it's his heart that he's like, I came. I'm actually dying on a cross. Why? To bring freedom to you. And you're actually blocking me from being able to do that because of this stupid thing that you think is actually going to protect you. I'm just telling you, it's the only way that I can actually heal you is to stop pretending. Because sin grows best in the dark. And the scripture is essentially saying, as long as we conceal our sin, God cannot bless who we pretend to be. Number two is this. Allow God to reveal it to you because it is difficult to see in ourselves. I'm telling you, these past three weeks of just preaching through this message series has, has, has beat me up every single week as I've just been going through this. The Lord showed me things about my own heart that I'm like, ah, that I don't like. I don't like that. But ask him to reveal it to you, not so that he can just show you, yes, you're screwed up, good luck with that, come back next week. No, he wants to bring freedom to it. This scripture that I've, I've come back to all three weeks, and it's been my own, my own scripture that I've just been like, Lord, I need you to do this in my heart. In Psalm 139, Verse 23, he says this, search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See, Lord, if there is anything offensive in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, know my heart, test me, Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me. Don't just leave me there. Lead me in the way of everlasting. And so I just want to encourage you, just, just allow God in to do that work internally in you, that, that work that nobody else can see, but let, it, let him show you. Ask him, God, say, God, would you search my heart today? Would you search me, know me, and allow him to fill you and then out of the overflow of what he is doing on the inside of you, the outside will match the inside. As he cleans the inside of the cup, it's out of the overflow that cleans the outside of the cup. Why? Because fullness is not measured by what we contain, it's measured by what overflows. That's how he works. And the last point is this. Come clean in order to get cleaned. Come clean in order to get cleaned. Why don't you stand with me? <laughs> Proverbs 28, 13 says this. In the message paraphrase, I love how Eugene Peterson wrote it. He says, you can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. Let me say it again. You can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. And, and I try, I mean, over these past three weeks and, 
and even just as I communicate to you as, as your pastor, like, I try my best to be as open and transparent as I can with my own faults and my own struggles because I just firmly believe that there is hope for you today, just like there's hope for me. See, I have this idea that rolls around on the inside of me that, that if, I, if I drop my mask first, then maybe, just maybe, you'll drop yours too. You'll say, you know what? I, I, I'm done just holding on to this thing thinking that it's gonna, it's gonna bring me anything at the end of my days. I need help. Like, I need a doctor. Like, I need Jesus to do what only he can do. I can't hide this well enough because he can only help us if we're humble and we're honest with him. He can't heal who you pretend to be. And I just want to say this to you because I just think this is a word for someone in here this morning. It's never too late to do the right thing. I was talking with a woman last week and, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago and she says, you know, Pastor, I've been, uh, I've been doing, uh, I, I regret some things that I've been doing the past couple weeks. And I looked at her, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but here's what I know to be true. We all have a past. Whether that was 15 years ago or 15 minutes ago. Here's what I want you to know. It is never too late to do the right thing. So I don't even care. Like, maybe you're like, but Pastor, you don't even understand what happened. This, I came in here, and this is the condition that I'm in. Or you don't understand what happened last night. Like, you're lucky. I don't even know how I'm alive to even be here today. I just want you to know, it really doesn't matter because we all have a past, and it doesn't matter if it's 15 minutes or 15 years. It's never too late to do the right thing. Never too late. And uh, we have the good news through Christ that it's never too late. 1 John 1, 9, this is what he says, and I want you to hold on to this. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just point it out so that he can say, look, this is why you're not God and I am. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us. And not just that, he says, I'll purify you from all unrighteousness. The very power of forgiveness and the grace and mercy is the very power for you to live it out so that I can clean the inside of your cup so that the outside means something. It's no longer a mask. It's a conduit through which I can move. So I just want to encourage you as we enter into this last worship song, I want to just ask you this question. What is it that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about? Like, not, not like what I've been talking about or preaching about. or and I'm not even talking about these, these masks and all this stuff. Like, what is it that God has been pointing out in the inside of you, your heart, that, that area that maybe you've seen it before or seen glimpses of it before and you tried to cover it up and been like, no, I can't be dealing with that because I, I just, I cannot be dealing with this right now. What is it that God is speaking to you about? And just know that he is a gentleman. He's showing you because he so desperately wants to bring freedom. He so desperately loves you. He's madly in love with you. But he's madly in love with who you are, not who you pretend to be. So Jesus, I pray that you call your people to yourself. May they get on the inside of us today. 
that you are madly in love with us, not, not because of the masks we wear or who we pretend to be, but you got this crazy love that sees through it, sees past it. We can't fool you. We can fool ourselves. We can fool people around us, but we can't fool you, and yet you still desperately love us when we know that we've got to lay this thing down for you to be able to do what only you can do. So God, I pray that you would speak to your people today. I just want to encourage you as we enter into this last song, if God's speaking to you in any area of your life, this isn't about who's in front of you, who's in back of you. This isn't about, well, what are people going to think? Well, he's, already, he's wearing a tie today. I mean, he, he's always got everything together. Like, what's he, why would he go up for prayer? It doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares what people think? What is God speaking to you about today? I just want to encourage you is to, just like these folk that have, that have come up even before I said, let's, let's, let's have a time of prayer, to get down before the Lord, make your way out. You want to just stay where you're at, get on your knees, whatever, but come clean in order to get clean. Allow Jesus to say, you know what? I love you and I don't love you because of this thing. In fact, this is the very thing that you think is protecting you, but is actually keeping you from me. I want to bring complete freedom in your life. So Jesus, I speak freedom over this place, over the lives of people in here. We remove the stain of iniquity. We remove the shame and guilt and condemnation that, held, that holds people flat-footed in their seats today. God, I ask that you would draw people to yourself, that, that our hearts would lunge out of our, out, of our, out of our chests to come and run after a God who comes and runs after us. Lord, that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you are close to those who draw near to you. And Lord, as we take a step towards you today, God, I pray that we would realize that you've been right there all along. Reveal yourself to us today as we, as we enter into worship. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As we sing throughout this song, as you, if you feel led, I want you to just feel led to come get along by, with, with the Lord. If you've got a prayer need in any area of your life, we'd love to come alongside and be able to pray God into your situation. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your truth is like a spotlight that we don't have to run from. It's a rescue light that we run towards. So Lord, I just pray for those that, that are at that place of saying, it's just tiring to keep up the charade, keep up the act. You have the boldness and the courage to trust the unlimited grace that Jesus has for honest sinners that say, I am, I am, I am in need of a doctor. Jesus, I thank you that you meet each and every single one of us wherever we're at and you refuse to leave us there. I thank you for the freedom that is wrought only through your death, burial, and resurrection. And so Jesus, we thank you we thank you again that true freedom, only freedom, is continually found in you. We seek after you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We still have some folk being uh, ministered to down here. Just be aware of that as you leave. And uh, have an amazing day. Go Patriots.